Good morning. My name is Sam McLaughlin, and I'm one of the pastors here. If you're joining us uh, online or in person for the first time, or you've been here a couple times and we haven't met, I would love the chance to get to know you. Today is the final week of our January sermon series called Show Up. As we have turned into a new year where we often are in this natural place in our lives where we're thinking about what do I want to focus on this year? Who do I want to be? Here at the church, we have been looking at the ways that God calls us to show up, to show up for God, to show up for ourselves, to show up for other people. As we've examined scripture, we've looked at a couple different places where we see this. First, we looked at the Magi that showed up to Jesus and offered their spiritual offerings to him. Then we looked at David, that small shepherd boy who got in the arena of life, who showed up against Goliath, this giant, this warrior. We took a look at Ruth and Naomi, this story about uh, Naomi who loses her husband and then loses her two sons and is in this place of deep grief, but her daughter-in-law, Ruth, clings to her, shows up for her in her darkest hours. Last week, Rachel took us uh, to Moses in the wilderness with those grumbling Israelites. And he, Moses, continued to show up. He continued to persist and endure in his call in spite of this grumbling. Today, we are finishing up this series with this passage from Luke chapter 4. And at the same time, I'm excited about it, we're transitioning into our new sermon series called Happy, Healthy, Healed, where we're going to look uh, specifically at healing stories in the book of Luke. I encourage you to go ahead and read the book of Luke. We're going to be looking at it all of February and check out those healing stories that we see and what they tell us about Jesus. And so today, you might imagine that we are uh, standing on the diving board looking at the water but we're not fully jumping in yet contextually in our passage we are encountering Jesus in the book of Luke after several things have already happened first Luke has narrated uh, this long genealogy this connection of Jesus's birth to the Old Testament scriptures uh, we see how John the Baptist prepares the way for Jesus' ministry. We talked about this in Advent. We see at the beginning of chapter 4 uh, that Jesus is tested and tempted in the wilderness before beginning his ministry. As he comes out of the wilderness, baptized by the Spirit, he goes to his hometown of Nazareth, and he declares the sort of mission statement of his life. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to proclaim release to the captives, to give sight to the blind to free the oppressed the people didn't like it and they ran him out of Nazareth and so here at the end of the cha of chapter 4 we see three healing stories in a row two of them that we're going to look at today because these stories have more to teach us about showing up in life some of you know that uh, pastors in Methodist churches are a part of different boards when we become pastors. We serve our conference in many different ways. And I am now on a board called uh, the Board of Ordained Ministry. And if it sounds important, it's because it is. <laughs> We evaluate candidates, people that want to become pastors in Methodist churches, people who want to become certified lay speakers. We have these four long days of interviews where we're asking them questions and seeing what their gifts and their skills are. Well, uh, 
I was asked to come and be a part of this four-day interview process in March, and honestly, I'm just at a place in my life and a place in my ministry with the church where I thought, that's gonna be really hard for me to do. So I tried to bow out of it. I tried to say, are you sure that you want me on this committee? And they're like, yeah, this is just one piece of it, so stick with us, you know? And so um, I, I decided I would still be a part of these uh, phone calls and conversations around those four days of interviews. And so uh, last week I got on a three hour Zoom call that all of us love to do uh, while also caring for my sick five month old daughter. And so you can imagine that I'm juggling her, like turning the screen off, listening from a different room. Um, and I really tried to find the ways that I could still show up for these people. Like maybe I could read all the material and offer relevant questions. Maybe I could come for one day of interviews. You know, that sounds like a good compromise. But as we hung up from the Zoom call and I heard more and more of this time commitment, a few days later I thought, you know what, this is just really something I need to say no to right now. And so I emailed the people that are in charge uh, and I was met with a lot of affirmation and encouragement in that decision and I felt really good about it. I share that with you to say, as I continually reread this passage for today, I could see how Jesus models that kind of behavior to us. See, Simon's mother-in-law is suffering from a high fever. And it says that Jesus goes to his house and stands over her. You just imagine this like position of standing over her and he rebukes this fever. And it's that rebuke that leads other people to come and find Jesus, to start bringing all these people in need of healing to his doorstep. It says, as the sun was setting, so you imagine he's been doing this all day already, they brought people with diseases to him. The next sentence says, at daybreak, he departed and went to a deserted place. And I have to tell you, this is the first time I noticed that temporal aspect of this passage. As the sun was setting, they were bringing people. And at daybreak, he departed to go to a deserted place. I always imagined that Jesus just woke up early after that long day before to go be alone. But perhaps he was actually with people the entire night and had not had a break. And so while he's trying to get this place of uh, quiet and, and be alone with God, people come looking for him. They don't allow him to have it. And they say, look, we don't want you to leave. But Jesus is firm in his calling. He says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom. I must go to other cities for this is the purpose I was sent for. And so I think Jesus shows us that we have to remember the purpose that we are sent for. Jesus shows us that sometimes you have to bow out of what you are doing in order to show up for your other purposes and passions. Jesus shows us that it's okay to walk away from a good thing. People were left unhealed in order to show up for yourself and to reconnect with God or your family. Jesus shows us that sometimes your no to one person or one situation or one thing is a yes to something else. It's maybe even a yes for yourself. Jesus shows us that we can prioritize our various roles and responsibilities depending on the season of life that we are in. Showing up entails knowing your purpose and not letting anything keep you from living it out. 
Most of you know that uh, I am from Alabama, and I'm here to tell you that a lot of the stereotypes about us are true. <laughs> Alabama is really crazy about football. I'm not one of them, but it's like everywhere in your life growing up. Um, I did have a lot of friends with big trucks. We say y'all, and I was barefoot for most of my life. <laughs> Maybe like me, you remember or lived in a place where you had a community that you could just roam, you could just be free and feel safe. This was like early 90s. And when I look back on my childhood, that's what I remember, that uh, I'm the oldest sibling, but I have a brother and sister who just a year, two years younger than me. Every single morning of the weekdays during the summer, we would walk to our local pool, Shades Cliff. It's still the best pool to try to get into in Alabama. That pool was big, it had two diving boards. We were there from sun up to sundown. We only left to go get like shaved ice at that weird yellow shack in the grocery store parking lot or you know, when the ice cream man pulled up to give us popsicles. I spent my life in that water and those days at Shades Cliff made me fall in love with it. But I can also tell you as a kid at a pool, there was one thing that I hated. Every 50 minutes, those lifeguards would look at each other across uh, their stands and they would coordinate this long whistle blow and they would say, courtesy break. And as a kid, I interpreted that as, I have to get out of the pool and let these old people swim, <laughs> right? A few, we, a few years later, when I was a lifeguard at that same pool, it was cool. You know, I got to blow the whistle and yell courtesy break. And I was like, thank God, I don't have to watch these kids for 10 minutes. See, today I believe that Jesus also shows us the benefit of taking courtesy breaks, perhaps unwelcome for all the people that needed healing from him, but essential for him to continue his ministry. See, the thing is, as a kid, those forced breaks were for my own good, even if I couldn't see it. And the truth is, as an adult, and I still need those courtesy breaks, and I think that maybe you do too, See, like the swimmers who have to stop and breathe, drink water, refuel with snacks, hide from the sun, we cannot show up to life. We cannot show up in our relationships in the ways that we want to unless we are willing to stop and be replenished. As often happens for me as I'm ruminating on these words this week, uh, a situation comes up that makes me have to live these words out. I was uh, in the middle of um, a phone call, hearing about a conflict, and I was angry, okay? Pastors get angry. I was angry. My body was angry. I could feel it, and I wanted to react to that anger. You know, at some point, you kind of get tired of, <laughs> of being pushed around, right? I wanted to react to that anger. So I sat down and I started to type out this email and I'm like telling Mark what I'm gonna say, my husband, and, uh, and, and my daughter Madeline starts to cry, five months old. So I like have to be pulled away from that email and from that feeling. Um, and so I go to her room and either unconsciously or consciously, I left my cell phone where it was. And so when I went to her room, there I was stuck, stuck for an hour, but it forced me to stop. It forced me to sit there and say, why do I feel this way? How, do I, how will I be aware of these feelings? How will I respond to these feelings in the ways that are emotionally healthy, that I, the ways that I really want to respond to instead of firing something off? 
That same day, I was sitting in the room with my son as he was watching The Adventures of Spider-Man. And you remember um, Hulk, the big green Hulk? He was standing there talking to Spider-Man about how mad he was. And he wanted to react to that anger. And instead of doing that, the Hulk said, okay, I'm gonna breathe and I'm gonna count to five. So the Hulk stands there breathing as he's counting to five. Later in the episode, he says out loud, I'm so glad that I stopped to count to five. Don't you wish that some people would count to five before they talk to you? Don't you wish that you would count to five before you talk to some people? That you would take these intentional or forced courtesy breaks in your life? See, when you find yourself swimming in the deep end, barely able to keep your head above the water, clinging to buoys, you have to listen for that whistle or you have to blow that whistle on yourself. Whether intentional or forced, we have got to learn how to take more courtesy breaks. It is a courtesy to other people, and it is a courtesy to yourself. Here's another way to look at it. As I was reading this week, I was really intrigued by the word for a fever in this passage. Simon's mother-in-law has a fever. And this definition, this way that we might read it now, was not the way that Luke intended it. We hear disease, infection, symptom of something else. At the time, Luke used this term in a way that suggested possession, being oppressed, being ruled, being held captive by fever. And so there are good things that we say no to in order to say yes to other good things. There are also things that hold us captive captive that we need to say no to or let go of. And so I wonder today what it is that is holding you captive. Do you feel captive by people who want your attention and time with no regard of what kind of toll that takes on you? Do you feel captive by negative thoughts or ruminations, expectations from family members, seeking approval, uh, judgment? Do you feel held captive by a job that isn't your passion but pays the bill, by a conflict that is hard to resolve, by a domineering personality in your life? See, whatever it is that possesses or oppresses you today, hear the good news. In these courtesy breaks, Uh, Jesus comes to stand over you and rebuke what makes your temper and your temperature rise. In these courtesy breaks, Jesus is ready to meet you in this gentle, sacred, deserted place where his calm spirit brings you back to your perspective and your purpose and passion in life. In these courtesy breaks, you give Jesus a chance to lay hands on you and offer a healing balm, a healing prayer, a healing presence. And so today, as we wrap up our series, here is my final word to you. Set your heart on bowing out of what holds you captive in order to be captivated by the loving embrace and mission and purpose of Jesus Christ. Every courtesy break that you take in life is like a life vest. It gives you the endurance to keep showing up to the life that you are called to taste and experience and discover to the fullest. Thanks be to God. Amen.